Hey everybody, this is Nate. And this is Justin. From Pertnear Sandstone. And you're listening to Road to Blue Ox. Hey Justin, how you doing? Hi Nate, you're here at my kitchen table again. Yes, I think we have time to squeeze out one more episode. That's a bad choice of words. (laughs) I think we have a chance (laughs) to complete and publish one last episode before we're at the festival on the grounds awaiting everyone's arrival. Can't wait to be back at Blue Ox. It's coming up so fast. It's so hard to believe that we are um, rounding the corner to August and things are falling into place. So last night we were two-fifths of the fiddle airs and we opened up for Armchair Boogie at the Hook and Ladder in Minneapolis and it certainly felt like a Blue Ox pre-party. It did, yeah, with Armchair Boogie. We had the Johnson Brothers who basically were part of what's going to be the Kind Country Band. It sort of felt like, oh, we are going to see a lot of these people in less than a month and also many people who were there were like, hey, we're going to see you at Blue Ox in less than a month. Just weeks away, and I mean, it's the same story we've been hearing at all of our shows. This is our first concert, first time being out to see live music in the last year and a half. Of course, everybody's just overjoyed to be seeing each other. Yeah, it was really fun to play first and then get to mingle and bounce around the crowd and see friends and chat with people. The Potluck String Band boys were there, and we talked about their whole setup where they're going to be hosting again the picking and workshops over in their section of the campground, and they're all excited about that. And they got friends coming in from all over the country this year coming to the festival. And yeah, just the buzz. that was It was buzzing. Everybody was buzzing, not just because of the beer either. Or the heat. (laughs) Or the heat. It was pure excitement. Yeah, it was uh, eager anticipation from everybody. And uh, you'll be hearing this as we're making the final laps around the festival grounds, preparing for the event. Well, we do have a lot of announcements, a lot of news to report here that's also available on the Blue Ox website. But we'll bore you with it here before we get to a Shaky Graves interview. (laughs) So at this point, we have solidified all the late night lineups for the Backwoods stage. Thursday, Mae Simpson and Brotherhood of Birds. Friday, Charlie Parr Electric Trio and John Stickley Trio. Saturday, Good Morning Bedlam, and the Kitchen Dwellers will light up the backwoods. I can't wait to see all of those sets and and hang with y'all. We also, this year, got a grant to install art around the campground, so there will be various art installations throughout the Pines this year, which we're really stoked about. It's pretty exciting this year. There are several artists that were selected that are going to be creating installations around the campground. There's so many zones that are going to have some eye candy for you throughout the weekend. I'm really excited to see what these people are going to be bringing to the fest. I'm excited to see the Enchanted Jellyfish Forest and also Babe's Balls. That sounds interesting. (laughs) 
<laughs> Babe's balls are strategically placed LED balls that will be lit up in the Pines Music Park pond. The balls will illuminate the pond water at night and give the Blue Ox grounds a magical vibe after the sun sets. Yeah. That is going to be rad. Check out the website. You can read about each of the artists and where they're going to be installing. It was also announced that the Torch Sisters will be doing another fire spinning performance. It's always fun to see fire fly around and to hear it too. I love listening to those performances as well as just seeing them. Fire. Fire. Woman. Yeah. Uh, There's also a list of the hard good vendors that will be in attendance this year. Uh, Speaking of hard goods. We did something different this year, which I'm kind of stoked about. And I think a lot of people are because if you've ever tried to get your Blue Ox merch and been disappointed by the fact that whatever you were hoping to get was sold out. Well, this year you can pre-order your merch, Nate. Cue sound effects. I'm slightly embarrassed to admit I don't own a single thread of Blue Ox Come merchandise. On. I know. I've How had, is that possible? I always stroll in there on Sunday. I'm like, hey, is there any no mediums left at all? <laughs> on the website, there is a pre-order, a link, and there's all kinds of good stuff this year. Really love the designs. So you got to give it up to the artists who designed this year's merch. It's really... They're so unique every year. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm definitely going to be sporting some Blue Ox gear in this next year. Okay, well, we need to move on here before I just start buying all the merchandise on the website. <laughs> like mesmerized by the art. Contain yourself, Nate. The pre-order merchandise, however, is only available until August 6th. So jump on that. Soon. Clickety-click. Clickety-click. Jump on it. Don't forget about the food, Nate, either. Not no. just It's not just about t-shirts and totes. Yep, you got to keep yourself uh, nutritionally energized throughout the weekend to keep on going from stage to main stage to side stage to campground stage, the backwoods stage, <laughs> stages and yogas and jammins. Oh, and my God, so many stages. What stage am I in? There's a lot of veg and vegan-friendly options this year, too. I'm stoked to try out some of these uh, new vendors. The Caribbean Kitchen. Ooh, rice bowls. Jerk chicken. Jerk tofu. You're a jerk. There's great vegetarian and vegan-friendly options as well, which we're uh, glad to provide. And I kind of prefer that myself on these, uh, these hot summer weekends. It just feels healthy. Totally. Sometimes a big burger a pork sandwich just weighs you down and then you're like i'm just gonna go lay in my tent for a while and then you miss out on all the fun on all the stages as much as i love napping i just want to be out front hanging with everybody listening to the music all weekend long well we had a great interview with shaky graves a couple weeks ago can't wait to see his set with his band biggest band he's ever had playing with him And we're going to feature some other music on this episode by another artist who will be joining us, Sonny War. L.A.-based singer-songwriter who has got an incredible story and writes some really killer tunes, and she's got a really unique way of playing the guitar as well. Check her out if you haven't before. How about we check it out right now? Here's some music from Sonny War. Get a therapist, go to church if you need to I do not exist to oblivious or appease you Think 
Sunny War, a track called Mama's Milk from her 2021 release, Simple Syrup. She'll be on the main stage on Friday, August 20th. Make sure and check her set out. Up next, we're just going to jump right into our Shaky Graves interview. We caught up with him uh, from his studio in Austin, Texas. He was kind enough to spend some time with us and talk about his COVID experience and what he was doing. Despite what he says, he was really busy. And uh, I'm a little envious of the things that he got done and, and what he produced and what he made. I'm always fascinated by hearing an artist's creation process and how they get from the studio to the stage. All right, let's jump into the interview with Shaky Graves. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, very much looking forward to seeing you at Blue Ox. I've uh, been a fan of music for a while, and a lot of Blue Oxers I know are stoked and excited to see you. Have you been up to Wisconsin much at all? I've been touring, I guess, since probably around 2012. So, I mean... Shit, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've been up there. I've been up there a lot of times. 2019, I guess. Because last year, it's like, oh, what'd you do last year? And then it's like, oh, right. Well, man, time has moved really fast. And uh, yeah, that tour feels like a million years ago for the record tour, which was really fun, where we basically scaled down and played like, just kind of went through my big catalog of weird stuff that I've made and uh, played like multiple nights in smaller venues which was kind of, you know, a little uh, bit of a departure used... from what you had been doing and just yeah, doing something I mean... to shake it up. But I mean, that's kind of the, you know, most people, those are the rooms that you spend the most time in and that you're like the most comfortable in. It's not like right. all of a sudden you're in these giant places like, ah, sweet home. You know, it's like Bruce Springsteen yeah. maybe feels <laughs> you know, at home in a stadium. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But, 
the little tiny like sweat boxes and stuff and crazy rooms are it was great so that was kind of the last tour that i did you know i guess that was in early 2020 and then right um, right before the shit hit the fan yeah totally so and then you released look alive like right as the pandemic was just sort of like rolling out in in early may of 2020 totally yeah which i love man i just dig those tunes so much they're really like heady and like loose sort of but also i don't know i just i love how they are sonically i i mean i'd love for you to talk a little bit about those tunes and kind of how you approach music recording and and writing oh my god um (laughs) well i watched some interviews as well when you talk about the music comes to you first and then you kind of layer the lyrics on top was that kind of the same deal for the look alive tunes the, the Look Alive stuff, I guess in a way, I always don't feel like I'm ever, <laughs> I, I kind of don't ever feel like I'm doing anything. And then I have this process through which I build stuff where it's like, I've always, I guess, set out to make songs and not really considered whether they're demos or not. I, th- I think traditionally speaking, usually the way that people are supposed to do stuff is like you make a demo for a song, you make a rough version, then you flesh it out and figure, you know, you, you fine tune it. It's sort of like with some of those songs, what you hear is the very first time I started actually playing or singing that song. Something like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like the the recipe is a really good example where that's that whole recording is essentially me and uh, like a little boss loop station. Mm-hmm. I had just gotten one of those loop pedals and then recorded it into my computer and then extended it out and then just realized that I had written this song while walking around in Charleston and kind of just laid it over it and was like, oh. Yeah, this is the great. And then I'm like, yeah, well, cool. you know, this will turn into a song someday. Maybe I'll show it to the band. And then we would try and tinker with it. And I was like, I don't know. I kind of like this, but, you know, and they were like, oh, this is pretty cool. I'm like, is this du- <laughs> is this a thing? Is this like <laughs> complete uh, as is? Yeah. Right. And then other times, you know, like with, with the actual song Look Alive, I had started to write that and then kind of messed with it. And then actually that one went all the way to, I actually went to LA and met Billie Eilish's brother, Phineas, who does all the production for yeah. them. And he just yeah. won like producer of the year. Yeah, totally. Was, That's crazy. Yeah, this was right before he went to the Grammys and everything because I had listened to a different podcast because a friend of mine was like, dude, check this podcast out. I didn't know much about him, but I, I thought Billie Eilish was like a badass pop star. I was like, if I was a 12-year-old girl, I would be so excited that this was what was playing on the radio right now, you know? Right. Yeah. And I was always like, mad respect to Billy and her brother. But I didn't know that it was just like they made it in their bedroom the same way that I always made everything. You know? Yeah, totally. Which was awesome. And so I ended up finding out that he, on that podcast, he was like, yeah, I really want to work with this weird dude named Shaky Graves. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a mind fuck. Oh, dude, totally. So I hit him up on Instagram because that's how you do stuff in the future, I guess. And, right. uh, you know, next thing I was like sitting around showing him those songs. And he actually helped me just sort of like good producer brain was like, no, this is great. And actually came up with the hook of Look Alive. So technically he's a co-writer on that. Um, Oh. And then the other funny thing is that I in in the recipe, part of that song is about walking around in Charleston and uh, finding this crazy street performer who was playing like beautiful violin music. And I was like, oh, what beautiful violin music. And then I, as I got closer to him, he was like, kind of like barking over it. And I realized that he was singing. We're not going to take it. But he was just singing the chorus over and over and over again. <laughs> He wasn't playing We're Not Gonna Take It. He was playing, like, violin music. But he's like, we're not gonna take it. We're, you know. And, <laughs> and my, 
in my mind, I was like, how did this dude get here? <laughs> you know, like, what right. is this? He was a giant, <laughs> Twisted Sister fan, but was always classically trained and held back right. by his parents, you know, and was like, we'll learn violin. He's like, I want to rock. No one sings, yeah. we're not going to take it like that guy and means it quite as much. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I was like, this is the craziest. So I referenced that in the recipe and sing a little bit of we're not going to take it. But that meant that we had to go to D Snyder's people and get him to mm. sign off on it. So that one little four song or whatever EP has writing credits from both D Snyder and, and Phineas. And Phineas <laughs> now you know you've made it. <laughs> no big deal. Just writing with D Snyder. Yeah, no big deal. Phineas. No big deal. Producer of the year, mega star. <laughs> and D. Snyder, whatever. Oh, man, I just love those tunes. I'm wondering also, you know, you got your big tour lined up for this year. I'm wondering if you have new tunes you're going to roll out for that or if you just kind of get busy on Roll the Bones, uh, the 10th anniversary. And mm -hmm. Well, so, you know, I guess another thing is like during the pandemic, I had started to film a lot of this stuff because those songs were the beginning of what I thought was going to be the next record I was making. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the whole pandemic and just kind of the way the way the world went, I sort of embraced, honestly, because I was really looking for some specific changes in my life and didn't really know how to like make them myself and was like, man, sure. it'd be really cool if everything would just sort of stop and give me some time and perspective. And then uh, it's like the monkey paw wish, you know, it came true. I'm yeah, looking for somebody way. to blame, so I might have to now put you on the top of the list. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, you can blame me. It's my fault. I did it. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally can relate with that as well. It's like, I just have all these ideas. I want to have the time to work on them, and how can I fit that into my life? And, oh, wait, here's a year where I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not to say that I spent the whole year doing that either, right? Like, right. of course, you get an opportunity, and you're like, great, I'm going to just sit here. But even so, like, I think that that's crucial is to just have some space because sometimes it's just like off to the races and you just never get to you realize yeah. you just never came back from the races it's like you've just yeah. been doing stuff for years of your life right for better yeah. or for worse but you can't even like sometimes you, you don't even get to enjoy the things that you do or realize that you don't enjoy them you know what i mean right you just you just like momentum just carries you totally you just wake up someplace else Crazy. Well, it's, yeah. it's also what separates humans from the rest of the animal kingdom is the luxury to be able to just sit and think and process <laughs> and that creates art and that creates philosophy and et cetera, et cetera, you know. I mean, you're right. I mean, I spent a lot of time in my yard watching the birds in my neighborhood do shit and they seem to, they got something going on. So I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're the whole world we don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty minor expert on birds in my yard after last year too was like following heavy bird drama was like oh the cardinals have a nest but the blue jays are here to fuck it up yeah you know like oh i hate this blue jay i know the blue jays um, are such punks dude it's horrible <laughs>
are you in Austin or LA or where are you? Yeah, I'm in Austin. Yeah. Okay, so is that also where Hello Gorgeous is? No, well, uh, technically I'm at Hello Gorgeous right now. It's outside of Austin. Okay, that's your new studio home. Um, and did you build that out during the pandemic or was that also a pre-pandemic thing? No, so all of that was like pre-pandemic stuff and was trying to find a place to, you know, to keep all my gear to where it would turn on. And at the same time I started like filming all that stuff, I tried to have people come in and like, I wanted to do an experiment sort of filming, recording and going into this new studio. And I didn't really know what I was going to do with any of it. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, I don't want to like sit on this because I feel like also when you make stuff, you know, when you make art or whatever, make anything, we've been sort of more recently conditioned that you have to like make sure it's part of a strike force, you know, that it comes out like at optimal time and that, you know, know. it's all part of a larger promotional. Oh, God. You sound like our manager right now. <laughs> Dude, like having a campaign for everything. And, I, oh, and, yeah. and it's not like that's wrong. You know, that's actually a no. really helpful business plan. But right, also, exactly. It'll totally fuck up your life if that's not how you make stuff, you know, or if you think yeah. that's the only way to do things. Again, like kind of like the venue thing, big venue, small venue. I used to just put stuff out because no one was waiting for it. And yeah. um, that always felt good to me it really charges it like injects your motivation to keep creating and you need that response you know i do at least as a songwriter and a musician like i, I need somebody to respond and react to what i'm doing otherwise it just probably just go hang out with my dogs instead you know totally if you put something out then you're not sitting on something and when you're sitting on something that might be like a demotivator to actually create something new because you're like oh i, I still got this thing that I haven't released yet. So whatever, maybe you get distracted and and end up not creating something new. But if you put it out there and then it's out there, then, you know, maybe your intuition and your, your own inner momentum moves you towards something new. That's the dream. And it's like, people, you know, times change, you know, like those songs I was working on for the year leading up to that and around that time. And it felt very like prescient. It felt very time sensitive to me for some reason. I couldn't really put my finger on. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put this all out right now because I can't play shows or anything. But I just recorded basically an hour and a half, like three video series. I love those, by the way. They're really great. Thanks. Yeah. And, and so I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to put it out. And then cut to now a year, over a year later, a bunch of stuff has changed. Like, for instance, that band that I had introduced everybody to, me and um, my producer and drummer ended up separating and being like, because we've been working together for like seven years and amicable Mm -hmm. split. And then, you know, Pat lives in California and John lives in New York. They would usually fly down and we would just have to have this place. And I'm like, I don't need a whole studio set up. So the studio kind of dissolved into a house again. I rearranged everything, kind of took it over and ended up writing throughout the year and kind of working on like a friend's movie that they were making. So started writing like a soundtrack for this like indie film and they ended up not using a bunch of it. And it was a it was a really fun and super frustrating process. Kind of about, I guess, two, three months ago. I was like, well, I've made all this stuff and like I have a bunch of friends that I was playing kind of weird shows. And there's a studio up north that I recorded some stuff at. It's outside of Dallas. It's called Echo Lab. And it's this absurd studio. And the guy who runs it, one of the best drummers in the country. But you wouldn't know it because you get confused by how good of an engineer he is. You're like, oh, right, you're an insane drummer. And. And so basically, I kind of put together this sort of Frankenstein session band, recorded for about three weeks, and created this gigantic music piece and six-piece band. And then now that's the band that's going to be going on tour. 
So when you and you gathered these folks, they were just like buddies of yours, or you called them in. They're like session players, or just folks around town, or how did you source the band exactly? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say first and foremost, they're buddies of mine, but they also happen to be, you know, session players and just people in bands. You know, the guy who's just like a keys witch, he's in a band called the Texas Gentleman. Dan Creamer, he's like an insane piano player. My buddy Taylor Kraft, who's a bananas bass player. Because it was one of those things, too, where John, you know, I wanted John to come to the session, but it was like New York COVID stuff was really hairy. And he was down, but I could tell it was making him anxious. Mm -hmm. we'll, fig we'll figure out how to integrate all this. But, like, I am no way I'm going to pressure you to, like, get on an airplane and fly yeah, to totally. Texas. And then there's another guy named Cameron Neal, who I've gone on tour with, who's an amazing songwriter. He's from Nashville. And he was having a baby in Dallas, so he happened to be around. And then I had Matt Pence jump on drums. And then my boy Patrick wasn't doing anything. And he was like, if I die from this plane ride, then so be it. I'd rather... I'd rather play music and i was like okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, there was uh, a lot of that vibe I, <laughs> yeah can't blame this, people for that either no no and, and i mean this was i wouldn't say towards the end of it you know we're not quite there yet either but it was one of those people that already was like okay we're almost we're almost out of the woods here we gotta figure this out it's worth it so yeah i mean like right now i'm now in the middle of editing this giant piece the way that i work now has definitely changed because i went into it in the way that i've always done stuff which is kind of just record everything and then piece it together and you know i had some songs but i had a lot of melodies and so then all of a sudden i had all these nut job crazy musicians and just took their leash off let's just play in a room just do for... your thing yeah we recorded it all and so I came home with like, we did it kind of jazz session style where I was like, just run 18 mics all day long. I'll figure it out. And so hundreds of hours of music. And a lot of it is like not only usable, but like I have to figure out how to use because I'm creating this big, crazy top secret project out of it. Now it's like a collage project where you're like, how do I make all this work together and sound like you envision it? Yeah, yeah but I, I'm just kind of letting it be whatever it is, which is super yeah. fun. Man, cool, man. That's so great. Well, you are busy, I gotta say. Uh, the illusion is working. That's yeah, That's yeah, you're doing a damn good job. <laughs> I think you've been putting up that facade for a number of years, though. I mean, from what I can tell, you just kind of never stop creating, whether it's, you know, music or art for your album or art for your stage or films. Need people like you in the world, man. Well, I appreciate that. I, it doesn't feel like that on my side, but... That's good, though. Then that, that guilt probably triggers you to do more. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely does. It definitely does. I'm like, you old piece of shit, what'd you do today? Like, you better go write some songs about a, you know, a witch. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> Th then I can sleep at night. Great. Finally, like the hard work that America needs. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Songs about witches. Right. Witch song. <laughs> well, I think you eventually got around to answering all of my four-point question or whatever I had asked previously, but what do you... <laughs> so you're, you're heading out on tour. You're starting really soon. What do you got coming up? It's pretty big. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of throughout the rest of the year, but right now we're doing a short run, Austin, Dallas, Houston, Fort Worth, and then Red Rocks right out of the gate. Wow. Cool. Oh, man, that's awesome. great. Yes. I'm also really excited, too, where it's like, technically, this group hasn't played shows as this group yet. Sure. So. I, I mean, I, I trust them and love the shit out of them. And they also are just, I can't wait to play with them. But I, I also am in kind of this rare position where I genuinely don't know what it's going to be. Right. I've done this before. Like, this is our fifth tour with this material and we got to find some new air in the room and blah, blah. And it's like, I don't, it beats me. I bet it's going to be insane though. Oh man, I bet, I bet it's going to be like 
extra invigorating. You know, not only are you going to be back in front of people, but you're going to be like settling into a, a groove of the new band. And the, not to mention the biggest band I've ever been in front of. So this sure. is like my, my shitty version of the E Street band. It's like the F Street band. <laughs> Nice. Um, and then, are you bringing them to Blue Ox as well in August? Yeah, they'll be they'll be at Blue Ox. That's gonna be so good. It. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. You're playing Saturday. You're right before Sam Bush. Oh, sick. I mean, yeah, it's gonna be pretty crazy. You're sandwiched in between leftover salmon and Sam Bush. So, and your and your your Texas boy Charlie Crockett is playing that night too. Oh, good. I, Charlie's gonna be there. Sick. Yeah, he. I think. I mean, he. Unless he's got to split out after his set, he'll probably be around. You know. Oh, that's great. He's he's a trip, man. I know. We're stoked to have him. We tried. We we've been trying to pin him down for one of these two, but he's he's a little more elusive than you. Yeah, he's a real ass country boy, but he's he's also got that kind of like Bill Murray vibe where you have to like call a payphone or whatever, and if he's not staying, right. you're yeah. it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that that's an actual thing. I love that. Yeah. At least that's the illusion. If it's an illusion, I, right. I buy into it. Too, yeah. You know? Yeah. His, his persona that he's developed or or lives for real. I mean, he he definitely lives it. You know, like he is a East Texas swamp person. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I never see him not dressed to the nines, or even if he's like in leisure wear, it's still like top tier. Yeah, rodeo leisure wear. Look, looking, looking fly. I mean, and you grew up in Austin. Maybe, maybe you could talk a little bit about who influenced you, music and artistically as a kiddo. Your well, parents, or your uncles, or brother and sister. No, I mean the you know the town. I guess as a whole is yeah, pretty. Okay. You know, it's a pretty. It's, it's the story of the town. And for me, it was like you know I would go to like music festivals. Like there's a folk festival outside of town that my parents would go to every year called Kerrville Folk Festival. But like I wouldn't listen to the music. You know, I would just run around with kids, poke wasp nests and shit, and try and like yeah. hustle adults for ice cream and you know <laughs> whatever. Like just be little creature yeah. people. And then you know like. I mean, my musical taste, it took me a long time to get into my own realm of folk music. My parents listened to like Neil Young and my dad's like a giant R.E.M. fan and just kind of all over the place, kind of 80s, new agey uh, right. artistic people. So I listened but, to like Enya, you know, some fucking... Yeah. I haven't heard that band name in a long time. <laughs> Dude, Enya. I found out this crazy fact about Enya is that she never played... I'm not sure she's already done it, but it was basically like she was going to play her first show ever, like last year or something, like two years ago. Oh, man. Wow. Because she was like when she was making that shit in the mid 90s or early 90s on those recordings, it's basically her multi-tracked like 25 times. So it's like her singing with her singing with her. And then she was always just like, I can't actually perform these songs in front of anybody. I didn't realize that. Wow. I I didn't either. So now they were like, we have the technology, Enya. You can, you, can, <laughs> you can leave your castle. You have to come sing yeah. to the people, and you, the time has come. <laughs> and he's a big, uh, and he's a big one. You know, shitty alternative radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were fans of music. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was always around. And then, you know, I listened to stupid band kind of around high school, and I started to get my like weird, esoteric, obscure vinyl knowledge, and started listening to you know fugazi and like tortoise and joan of arc and all these weird indie bands and modest mouse mm-hmm. and then kind of got into like really noisy post hardcore and hardcore and screaming music and then basically kind of got ear exhaustion and, and circled back around and started listening to like 
1930s Alan Lomax stuff and then stuck in that for a long time. Everything you kind of listed, you can find somewhere in your music, you know? Sure. <laughs> yeah, that influence, you can't escape it. Once it's in your head, it's going to spill out subtly in some way. Oh, totally. I'm kind of circling back around my initial love of like Pink Floyd, which I haven't really messed around with that much. I mean, I guess it's yeah. been in there, but you know, like high school kid listening to Dark Side of the Moon for the first time, that's kind of oh, yeah. where my uh, world is right now. Yeah, that's, does, not, that's not a bad place to be. No, it's it, great. It, you know, when you first discover that, it, it kind of opens up the limits of what you think is possible, you know? Like, hey, you can actually just do something bizarre and <laughs> yeah. get a lot of kicks out of it, and other people might also enjoy it. Totally. <laughs> you know, I, I preach it a lot to just kind of make what you like and worry about people figuring it out at their own pace, you know? Yeah. But it's easier sure. said than done. You're always like, do you like this? Yeah. I mean, essentially, a performer is always sort of seeking the gratification of the audience, you know. But I mean, the nice part about recording is you don't have to watch people be like, oh, my God, how long is this song? You know, right. Well, well, (laughs) (laughs) you can figure that out later. Well, we like for ourselves, we kind of consider ourselves a live band. Like we're we'll be the party band or we'll be the listening room band or we'll cater to the audience. That's kind of where we're comfortable. But in the studio really outside of our comfort zone it's like a laboratory right where we experiment with approaches and sounds and things that we wouldn't have even at our disposal on stage and totally you just stumble into things you know and things come out of you that you didn't expect and it can open up new musical ideas yeah i mean i it, there's nothing more pure than being a good live band that's the the fun jewel of playing music just doing it with other people and being like oh we're working together you know yeah, so, yeah totally incredible feeling but the you know recording in that same thing is like what a bottomless pit of anything and it's so amazing and i i always just encourage anybody who's like how do i you know what do i do i'm just like dude record as much as you can because you even if you can't play an instrument and you're bad at practicing if you get sucked into a recording you'll accidentally practice for like 15 hours you know you mm-hmm. at the end of the day you'll have something you might not I, like it you it's know? there it's up to you it's like those are the pieces it's like you're recording it it's existing you're making it into something forever and then you can revisit it you know oh totally yeah it's a lot of fun Across at the drive-in? Yeah, of course. Just as a an aside, my wife currently we live in Los Angeles and she uh-huh. works for a company that Tony Hajar, the drummer of 
at the oh drive-in. What? Owns, like, he's he and his wife own this company. That, <laughs> oh I've, got to, I've got to hobnob with those guys. And when they, <laughs> when they started touring again after 20 years, I went to the debut show. Not that we're, like, boys, but Tony's a really great guy. Oh, man, that's, I mean, yeah, what a band. I have some friends that were in, like, Sparta that used to, like, rotating people in Sparta. and yeah. yeah, I mean, all that stuff is, like, bananas. I mean, I guess there's... The Central Texas world of that that kind of stuff, you know, at the drive-ins, definitely El Paso. Yeah. But it's like, we, you know, Austin has like uh, Trail of Dead, you know, and you will know us by the Trail of oh Dead. Oh, my God, that band, yes. Insane band. And, you know, even further back into like just psycho wild stuff, like Butthole Surfers reigned supreme in Austin for years. And We saw them at a, a street festival and the power cut out. They blew the power on the stage. <laughs> and instead of walking off, they just started dancing. <laughs> They entertained this entire street full of people by being goofballs. It was, it was fucking awesome. Well, that that is the warm center of my universe is being a, a goofball. And I, I mean, Austin, Austin has a certain amount of playful dumbness, I guess, that even as it's getting more hoity-toity and, you know, it's becoming like a global destination. Where you yeah, right. It's like... We got a Soho house, you know, that kind of shit. And it's still, it's like the, the part that you can't really get away from or that I hope it never gets away from is that it's just kind of like a dumb kid that caught a frog a little bit. You know, I was like, yeah. it I'm like, what are you going to do with that? It's like, I don't know. It's kind of like sums up our friends, the Whiskey Shivers from Austin, actually, oh, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> oh, I like, know them well. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, fucking yeah. Jeff. Man. I oh, just, we're amazing, yeah. And when we went out on tour with those guys, I was just like, oh, these guys, are they, they're like unbridled and so much fun <laughs> and so off the wall at times. I just loved them. Oh, yeah. We used to play together constantly. I'm uh, sure, yeah. You guys came up at sort of the same time. Yeah, 100%. We've toured a little bit, and it's a small town.
Is there anything you want to plug in particular? Well, maybe. I, I hope so, but I can't, uh, I can't guarantee that. Keep your eyes peeled, because I could be dropping something any second. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you taking the time out to chat with us. Yeah, no sweat. This is the first festival that I confirmed. It was still in the middle of everything being crazy. And I was like, I guess I can, I guess I'll say yes. Like, what's the, is everything going to be on fire or like, (laughs) you know, and it was like, I don't know, we'll see. And now it's pretty amazing that it's actually, uh, it's coming to be, you know. We just went out on the road last weekend and, you know, one of the shows was, had pods for people. Totally. But, you know, it. In the end, it was more just felt like the switch kind of flipped, you know, it's like back to normal almost and maybe quicker than we thought it would be. Sure. Our our Saturday night show was very much like the last time we played that venue. You know, it wasn't really any different at all. And it feels good. Yeah. My my biggest thing I'm going to be keeping an eye out for is that like nobody remembers how to drink or hang out outside anymore. So (laughs) if you're listening to this, just pace yourself. the last yeah yeah, the last like i went to a show the other night i just watched like a girl pass out just standing still you know at like 9 30 just passed out and like fell into a wall and people just dropping like flies i was like oh my god right no one's been outside they did a shot you know it's like oh fuck oh that's that's good advice we witnessed a little bit of that in wisconsin when we were there because the show we played was outside it was really hot and i think it caught some people off guard as well Oh, yeah. I think so, people will be fight. They don't know how to be near each other. I'm like, there's going to be some, like, confusing not fights, you know? I'm sure I'm going to just see it all. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, there's a level of conditioning that it takes as a band <laughs> to travel and, and perform every night. And, and do, like, you got to build the calluses back or whatever, oh. you know, your road calluses. Totally. But for the audience. Yeah, society audience. calluses, too. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. But I can't imagine that, like, festival goers and, and people who are music lovers, they haven't been keeping practice dancing in their yards i can't imagine (laughs) (laughs) totally they'll need to hit the gym maybe before they hit the festival yeah do some some cardio chug a couple beers if that's your vibe you know just 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 hydrate hula hoop (laughs) (laughs) hydrate hydrate i really can't wait to see you at blue ox on stage and i look forward to hanging out with you backstage as well yeah man come and say hi it'll be nice to see you guys so i'm always palling around backstage trying to brush shoulders with the people i love <laughs> it's it's really a pleasure for us you know curating and hosting this festival i tend to you know i'm backstage like hey man good to meet you have a great show and then i run out front and dance and listen to everyone else and then i run back and hey that was a great show nice. <laughs> it's like i just do that all weekend <laughs> well, oh well, that's amazing it is we're really lucky to do what we do <laughs> yeah thanks for having me man this is gonna be yep. cool All right, our thanks to Shaky Grapes for taking some time out with us. Our thanks to you all for listening and keeping up to date with the Road to Blue Ox podcast. It means a lot to us that you're out there listening. We can't wait to see you out at the festival grounds. Here we go. Next time you'll see and hear from us is at the festival. We can't wait to get down there and party with you all weekend long. Don't forget your toothbrushes and your pillows. Don't forget to bring your water bottles. I'm going to bring some water balloons, so look out. From the stage, baby. Can't wait to be there with you all. We will see you in the pines very soon. Bye. Strike Force.